You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 398. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 398. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? Without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, Amy E. Smith. Hello, hello, audience. Amy here. I am thrilled to bring you another episode of the Joy Junkie Show podcast. We are rounding out our series on boundaries. So today I'm going to share with you a coaching session that I did with a beautiful woman named Isabel. And you'll hear as we go through this that she is dealing with some boundary setting that really needs to happen in her immediate family. How many of us have had that? Hello, hands raised. So I think that you're going to get a lot out of this. I would also say think about this through the lens of the own, your own boundaries and the things that you might need to establish in your own life. And be sure to have a pen and paper handy. And you might want to steal some of Isabel's homework because there are a couple of different tools and tips and things that I think will be helpful for you if you find yourself in a really similar situation. So I'm going to let you loose on this. But before I do, I wanted to just mention that this is absolutely the type of thing that I dig into with my students all the time in my signature program, which is called Deep Down and Dirty. If you want to learn more about that and you're feeling like, ooh, yeah, speaking up for myself, boundaries, tough conversations, I run for the hills when anything like that comes up. I never speak up for myself and I know that I need to start because everybody's walking all over me. I give, I care way too much about what other people think. And this people-pleasing, this perfectionism is really selling myself short because ultimately what that comes down to is believing that you just don't matter as much as everybody else. And so we perpetually put everybody else's wants, opinions, and needs in front of ourselves, and we think we're, quote, not rocking the boat or not – you know, causing a shitstorm, opening up a can of worms. But really what we're doing over and over again is sending that message to ourselves subconsciously that everybody else matters and we don't. And better make sure that everybody else is happy at all costs, even your own happiness. So we're going to dig into that a lot. But if that is you and you have found yourself struggling with any of those things and you're sick and tired of it, and it's becoming too painful to stay the same, please go to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. And I've put together a masterclass over there that highlights the work that I do in Deep Down and Dirty. And I talk a lot about how the subconscious and the conscious mind play a role in how things actually stick and how we continue to either get locked into talking nonstop shit to ourselves, not believing that we're enough, not speaking up for ourselves, and and what actually influences the change, what actually allows you to start making those shifts so that it's not like, hey, I've been listening to podcasts. I've been listening to audiobooks. Why the fuck is nothing changing? There's a very real reason for that, and I highlight that in that workshop. So again, thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop, and you'll see an opportunity at the very end of the workshop to book a call with a member of my team if you want to jump on the phone with them and just see if the things that you're contending with right now, if those are what we work with in Deep Down and Dirty. And of course, the call with my team is completely complimentary. And then if you want to continue to work with me and work in Deep Down and Dirty, then we can talk about what that might look like and the change that you can expect, which is pretty damn monumental if I do say so myself. So That is your next step. Go have a watch through that workshop. And you can also find more information about Deep Down and Dirty on my site at thejoyjunkie.com. And without further ado, I'm going to let you in on this lovely interaction with Isabel. Isabel, thank you so much for being with us. I am so excited to talk to you about all the boundary stuff that's happening in your life right now. I know you wrote in and shared that there's some really interesting family dynamics happening for you. 
And I would love just kind of in your own words to give kind of a quick little assessment of what's been going on with your sisters and some of the obstacles that you've been having. Okay, well, um, I'm kind of new to the whole boundary thing. I was actually dealing with anxiety issues um, about a year ago that I had for many years. And in listening to your podcast and some others and doing self-help kind of stuff, um, it really made me realize that the root cause was boundaries. That I just, yeah, I grew up in a family where dissent was not really welcomed or tolerated. They're very loving, but also very controlling. And so I just, you know, developed this method of kind of tell everybody what they want to hear, do what I want to do over here where they're not looking, and then everybody's happy. Um, and I guess that served me somewhat well for a while, but it catches up with you. And um, I, I see it in other areas of my life, but not nearly as much as with family. Um, I'm the youngest of five, and there's a very large age difference between me and all of the others. And so I often feel like my siblings view me more as a child than as a sibling. And uh, it just gets to a point where, you know, I'm 46 years old. It's way beyond that point. You know, I'm successful in many areas of my life and happy and, and I live a good life. I just need to tackle this one obstacle. And I just kind of feel like life has pushed me in that direction that it said, hey, it's time you deal with this. Yes. Yes. Well, I think that a lot of people are going to be able to relate to your your story because I think one of the things that is important to understand is that when we start developing these habits to kind of fly under the radar and hey, nothing to see over here, you know, we're doing that or caring about what other people think or people pleasing in a way just to stay safe, mm -hmm. just to not have to deal with these eruptions or these explosions in the family conversation. So I know that it has, it has gotten exponentially worse due to the loss of your father mm -hmm. this past March. Right. So sounds like there's a lot of stuff happening with the various sisters trying to orchestrate estate and stuff like that. Tell me a little bit about what's happening there. Yeah, so I live um, far away. Everyone else is in a pretty close radius. And I think that's been sort of a, so a source of a lot of resentment that's not necessarily spoken, but you can feel it. Um, and so, you know, obviously they're the primary day-to-day -day caregivers, but I go up, you know, very frequently considering the distance. And sometimes I have a different opinion of how, you know, things might be handled. And, and you know, obviously some of that on me, maybe I don't deliver it well or whatever, but I think there's somewhat a silent agreement that, okay, we're here dealing with day-to-day -day bullshit and you're down there, you know, in Shangri-La living the good life without a care in the world, which I think is what they think, even though, you know, I have problems like anyone else. And uh, so they feel, well, you can't just show up and start, you know, having an opinion of everything. We do the work. You don't get an opinion. That's the deal. But I never agreed to that deal. So that doesn't work for me. Um, but it seems that any time that I try to make a decision or, uh, you know, have any type of involvement in decision making um, that they just want to control everything and don't allow me that space, and sometimes there are even confrontations where, you know, they'll just what, what I consider abusive behavior. And I just tolerate it because, you know, I'm, I'm there for a short time and then I can go back here and have my peace or, um, you know, there were circumstances my dad was very sick and you just, okay, we don't need any unnecessary drama right now. So I'll just take one for the team kind of thing. Right. So I understand that you are now are you going this weekend to go visit them? I am. Yeah. Okay. And are there certain things that need to be decided or items of business that you're kind of apprehensive about? We're kind of in a lull where there's no active issues at this very moment, but you know, things will come up. We're still dealing with my mom. My mom's still with us and, and she's getting up there. So I feel like, you know, we're just kind of prepping for round two and it's just very, very challenging because like I said, I, if there's anything that I feel that, you know, should be done differently then the attitude is sort of like, well, 
you're not here, so you don't get a say. And that's, you know, a boundary for me because I'm like, I don't care if I'm on the other side of the earth. It's still, she's still my mom too. Right. And so there, is it three of them, three older sisters? There's three. One of them I'm very close with and we're pretty much on the same page. And we do, like you were describing in your podcast episode most recently, that we'll kind of vent to each other because we're on the same page, but we never tell the other ones like, hey, when you did this, that was really, you know, a boundary for me that was upsetting. Can we talk about a different way to handle it or something like that? We just get on the phone with each other and go, can you believe what she said? And And it feels good for the moment, but it doesn't solve a damn thing. Right. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because there is a comfort in, in colluding with people and that somebody actually understands what you're going through. So I don't think that it's necessarily something to never, ever do. I think it's a yes. And it's, and we also need to talk to the other two Mm -hmm. and have a really open conversation. What, what I'm getting the essence that I'm getting is that there's a lot of stories being made up on everybody's behalf Mm -hmm. without actually sitting down and having a conversation. So what happens a lot of times is let's say you decide that one of the sisters is extremely controlling and that's, and you have a lot of evidence and it's the story that you've really attached to. Now, every single thing she does you're going to look at it through the lens of that story. So even if something was positively intended or thoughtful, you're not going to see any of that. It's going to all be through that lens of she's dismissing me. They don't think that I can be a part of this. They're mad at me for being far away. They, you know, and so that's, that's what happens is we continue to gather evidence to support the story instead of, actually getting the real story from that person. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm curious, have there been any sort of vulnerable heart-to-heart conversations amongst all of you? I've tried. So there were two occasions in the last six months of my father's life where I was there and I called my sisters together to a meeting and said, can we talk? Um, And I tried different approaches. One, I came with like a list of everything I wanted to talk about because I wanted to be really organized, you know, right? Perfectionism. It just didn't go well at all. My sister that is pretty much the one who's in charge, so to speak, just got up and left the table. So I said, okay, well, that didn't work. So a couple of months later, um, we tried again and like we met at a restaurant and kept it really light and conversational and actually like kind of avoided the topic for a long time. It was more just a social visit. And then toward the end, um, I brought up what I wanted to say. And again, she just got really defensive. And then um, my other sister that, you know, they're kind of on their side and me and my sister um, are more like-minded or sort of on the quote unquote other side. And so the one that thinks like her would just, you know, back her up. And it just felt very divided in the conversation. Didn't I was trying so hard to be respectful and just present it in the best way possible. But again, it's just, I think it's that dissent thing. It's like, we make up our minds. This is the course of action. You're not here and you don't get a vote. And I just feel as if the conversation doesn't go anywhere. It's just, it it just kind of dead ends. And I don't know what to do with that. Well, it also depends on what is legally established. Like, do all of you is she the main executor of the estate? Is your mom the one making final decisions? Like how much of it can you really put your foot down and say, I'm not going to accept that? Yeah, that's it. She was the health proxy. So all the decisions were hers to make. I just felt that if I were in that position, I would certainly be seeking the input of the other children. And then the final decision would rest with me, but I would want there to be dialogue. And there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue. I mean, she will gladly tell me any information I want to hear if I have questions, but it's not a participatory collaboration type of thing. And then the other aspect of it is there's just a certain bossiness, like I said, about them feeling more like a a child parent relationship than a sibling relationship. 
so they have a granny cam in my parents' house too. So when they can't be there, they can make sure that they're safe or they're taking medications and that sort of thing. And there have been times where like I had a family member come over while I was visiting with my mom and stay, so my sisters will check the camera. So I'm like, well, first of all, why are you checking the camera when I'm visiting? Because someone's here 24 seven, there should be no need to check the camera. Well, then they'll see that, you know, if someone else is visiting a day visitor, not someone that's staying there like I am, I'll get a text that says, I see that so-and-so is over, you know, it's almost 9 p.m. That's too late for Ma and, and, and just kind of chewing me out. And I'm like, I feel like I'm a 12 year old that's had a friend over too late, you know? I need to create a boundary and say, hey, I don't have a problem with you communicating this, but I do have a problem with how you're communicating this. And that's just such an uncomfortable feeling for me, Amy. Like it, it, that is yeah. so foreign in my family and the way I was raised, it's just, I, I kind of come from a long line of female martyrs and people pleasers. <laughs> yeah. And I think that I've managed to strike a balance in life where I don't do that. I mean, I, I think they see me as selfish. I don't feel like I'm selfish. I mean, I travel a thousand miles four times a year to visit my family. I think that's a lot more than most people I know who live that kind of distance from their family. So I don't think that the, the selfish brand is really um, fair. But I think because I have that balance that says, you know, you're not doing things as we do them. And, and therefore there's like a shame associated with that. And um, I relate to a lot of what you talk about too, with religious trauma, because we're, um, we're raised very, very, very Catholic family. Hmm. And I am the only one of my sisters that does not go to church. I am the only one that chose not to have children. I am the only one who chose to move away from the area. So I am just like this black sheep that does everything wrong. And I think that drives my perfectionism as well, because I feel like do everything perfectly right, because otherwise it's going to prove that I should have done it their way, not my way. But I just think it all, all of it, all of it comes down to boundaries. If I could just simply say when they're doing something like those texts about someone being over too late or not welcoming my viewpoint or something like that, if I could just say, you know, here's my boundary and and, but the times that I've tried it, it's so difficult. And then I do it and I don't get the results. And so it's exactly like you said, the critic in your mind going, see, it's not worth it. You put yourself through all this discomfort to attempt to set one. And then you don't get the result you want anyway. So two things you have said that really resonate with me are first, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think I've made progress with that, but I've still got a long ways to go. Because especially when the anxiety starts up, you just want to get somewhere safe. You just want to avoid more drama. And then the second is boundaries are about yourself, not other people. So I'm constantly reminding myself that it doesn't mean that they're going to cooperate or do things the, wish I, the way I wish they would do them. It means that I'm putting myself out there and saying, here's my request, here's my feelings. And then what they do with it is, you know, that's just not my part of it. But I can't control that part of it. That's right. So I think, well, first of all, thank you for sharing all of that. And I think that this, the topic of boundaries, especially as it pertains to family is probably one of the most difficult. I think boundaries in intimate partnerships, boundaries with friendships or in the workplace, although incredibly challenging, I still think kind of come as a runner up to familial relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think it has a lot to do with the history that historically there's a way that the system, this system, this family has operated and this is what is not tolerated. And this is what we all believe in. And mm -hmm. if you deviate from what we believe in now, you're a threat, you're a threat to the system. Yes. And it's, it's funny because you and I have a lot in common with that, mm -hmm. with, not subscribing to the faith we were raised in and also choosing not to have children, which thank God is becoming more and more acceptable <laughs> these days. But I think, you know, when I'm looking at this situation at large, I think that there are two primary avenues that you could pursue depending on what felt the most comfortable to you. I, I speculate, I know what would be, but I want to throw it out there to you. I think you could have the option of a vulnerable sit down. Okay. Like a real vulnerable sit down conversation. And what I mean by that is coming to the table. Yes, you can absolutely have a list, but in acknowledging 
what the the other two have done or the even all three and and acknowledging their individual contributions and saying this must be incredibly challenging for you to have the weight of these decisions on you and how much you've said like honoring the sacrifice Mm -hmm. even though everything in you is like oh you fucking martyr right like you want to be so frustrated at it that's why this may or may not be the avenue for you but i find that typically people will be most critical of someone else when they're not getting something that they need or that they don't feel understood and so it just becomes retaliatory let me take everything out on isabel right let me just make her feel a little bit of the pain that that i'm feeling it can also be, it could be a whole bevy of different things that they're going through individually. It could be the pain. It could be the responsibility, whatever, which is of course not yours to carry, but that could be an approach of, Hey, I don't know if I've ever really thanked you for everything that you do, or, uh, you know, there's some stuff that's been floating around in my mind that, that is really unfair to you because we've never had a real open candid conversation. So here's what I'll say about that approach. Sometimes people fucking surprise you when, when you really see them, when you acknowledge them, even when they don't deserve it and they will rise to the occasion and you can actually collaborate. Mm -hmm. Now, other times there's too much trauma that you've experienced both individually or collectively in the family. There is too much hurt. There is uh, not enough interest on either party of having a really rich, fulfilling relationship. So having that real depth and vulnerability to the conversation may not be worth it, right? Because every time we're vulnerable, there's a risk. And when I usually talk about vulnerability, I talk about doing it in in a place that does feel legitimately safe to you. And they've kind of proven over and over again that they're not the most safe. So that's one option of like, do I want to give this one last ditch effort of let's have sort of a come to Jesus, pun intended, and sit down and and acknowledge where everybody's at and come from that space of like, hey, I would love all of us to kind of share what we've been feeling as we've been going through this and how we can support each other the best. Now, they may not be willing. They may not, they may shut down no matter how soft and how gentle and how vulnerable you are entering into that. They may still not be able to carry that sort of a vulnerable conversation. So that's one option. The other option is to very definitively and assertively establish boundaries as they arise in each and every situation. So like you were sharing with the, the having guests over. So the minute that they start talking to you, whether it's in text or whatever, to say, if, to actually give them the language. If you have a problem with how I'm handling myself when I'm visiting mom, I would appreciate if you said it in this way and give them the language. And then being very specific of what you will and will not tolerate. Like I'm quite capable of handling myself with mom. I truly understand your concern and I appreciate how much you love her. We're just fine over here you know, or I'm no longer going to be responding to texts today. You know, like you can start shutting that shit down each and every time. Um, Sometimes I think it's just really helpful to acknowledge their investment. Like Mm -hmm. I, I really think it's awesome how much you are concerned about her well-being. We're just fine. You know, so of those two possible options, what's coming up for you? What are you thinking? I think I love number one in an ideal world. I don't know if it would work. I would, you know, I'm willing to try for sure. The hardest thing is to keep the emotion out of it. It's like you can go in with the best of intentions and then there's just so much water under the bridge. Things come up and then, you know, they start to lose their shit or I start to lose my shit and it it just goes downhill really quickly. So it would definitely be a struggle 
you know, to keep the emotion out of it and just say it very matter of fact, like you just did. I think that's certainly what I need to strive for. But I also think that there are situations where it's just not going to change and where the second option is better. And I love that you gave the example through the texts and everything, because I had no idea how to deal with that. And like, I know from listening to you that you say you have to have, um, they have to be enforceable. They have to have consequences. And I'm going, but how do I have consequences? I mean, if somebody texts me, I can't make them not text me, but you're right. I can say, I'm not going to respond today, or, you know, there's always an option. It's just so easy when you're trying to avoid something in the first place to say, well, that's impossible because of this, this, and this, and now you're off the hook. You don't have to do it because you've made it impossible. And it's not really impossible. You just have to look for that path. That's right. That's right. Most of the time, what becomes enforceable is the choice to not engage. That usually becomes the, here's what I'm no longer going to do. I'm going to leave the house. I'm going to go into another room. I'm going to hang up the phone. I'm going to not respond to texts or I, you know, and you have to really be strong in that because a lot of times the other party will try to bait you in with content and sit, you know, continue to text and say things like, you're always so fill in the blank. You're, you always disregard the stuff that we have in place or you're so disrespectful. And so they'll, there will be baited sort of conversations that make you want to respond because you're like, how fucking dare you? you know? Right. So I had, I had sort of an idea that might be helpful for you because I think that there's, I am not invalidating at all what your experience has been like as the youngest, but I do think that it colors every single thing that you experience with them. So no matter what the text is, no matter what the email or the conversation is, it's through this lens of you just, you're treating me like a child. You're treating me like a child. You're treating me like a child. So I wonder if there's a way that we could say the minute that they have an opinion or a request, or here's how it's going to be, or whatever, to almost, if we could step outside of what you're immediately experiencing and almost visualize that you're watching it on a television screen Mm -hmm. or on a play or something like that, and look at, okay, was that person, was that character treating that one like a child? What was the, like in acting, forgive my thespian stuff bringing coming in but in acting we call it the subtext like what was the reason behind that person saying those things so if you could stand outside and kind of look at it objectively and going I think that character really is concerned about the mom I think that character finds a lot of her identity and control I think that that character, you know, whatever it is. And then, so for you to stand outside of it and go, is that a reasonable request? And just take yourself out of it without that charge of like, I'm fine, leave me alone. You know, like I can, I'm 46 years old, you know, like the, but to stand back and go, okay, where is that actually coming from? What is she actually requesting? Is that a reasonable request? And then you can handle it accordingly instead of it immediately being like, I'm fine. We got it. Right. So then you can, and it might be a different answer in each situation. So in this one, you might go, I understand where the request is coming from, but it isn't, it isn't reasonable. There's nothing detrimental that's happening for mom's health or the household. It's not noisy That, if I was watching it on a screen, I would say that character, that's an unreasonable request to be made of the other one. Okay, how do I want to handle an unreasonable request, right? But I think there might be times when it's not totally unreasonable. It's just that you have this charge around, I get a say too. And it might be a way to help you parse out when is it reasonable and when is it just ridiculous and when is it maybe middle of the road. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking? Yeah, I I agree that I've got to work on that. Well, I would also encourage you to do what I like to call the do-over, declaring the do-over, where you assess the situation after the fact. So what that might look like if we're talking about this text situation, if you take some time to contemplate that a day or two later after you've 
been really like, oh, you kind of come down from that anger because usually we're really pissed in those moments. Oh, yeah. So you you come down a little bit off of that and then you can kind of reevaluate and go, was that a reasonable request? Was that, did I get unnecessarily defensive? Because sadly, in these types of situations, you are probably going to have to be the most evolved person. They are probably not going to be re-looking at the situation and going, how could I have handled that better? Or was I being entirely fair? They're probably just going to operate from a place of, Isabel always, you know, blame. She always wants us to do this or da, 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 right? So, and that can be frustrating to be the one who gives a shit about taking the high road. Mm -hmm. So you would declare the do-over. You would look at it and go, was there anything that was unfair there? And then circle back and actually have a conversation. So tell me before I jump into that, tell me what you, you actually responded via text to that. Well, I didn't actually, what happened in that situation was by the time I could even read the text and respond, she called. So I actually hadn't even seen the text yet and the phone rang. So I picked up the phone and my sister immediately started yelling about how that's not okay. That's not acceptable. People can't be there at this hour. And then, you know, I obviously got angry and I started to say, you know, you think you're the only one with an opinion. There are things that I'm upset about too, that I, I see that I don't like. And then she said, I can't, I can't do this right now and hung up on me. And then we just never discussed it again. And that's like classic, my family, we do not communicate. We don't set boundaries. Okay. We don't communicate. We just blow up and then it's gone, but it's not gone. It's not gone. It's not gone. And it festers and it, it will fuel the next blowout. Yes. It will absolutely be the fodder that the next blowout needs. Okay. So first off, anytime somebody's yelling, raising their voice, you shut that shit down. You don't engage in the conversation when people are yelling, especially if they're name calling. And there's just a, a litany of blame. You're this, you're that, you're this. But it sounds like she was really quite loud. So this is the hardest skill to learn, but I have faith in you. It is to not take the bait and actually argue about what she's arguing about. Yes. And to stop it right there and to say, I understand that you're really frustrated. You're not agreeing. You're just saying, I, here's what I'm seeing. You're really frustrated. I will not engage with you when you're speaking to me in that way. If you would like to have a conversation about this calmly and rationally, I am more than happy to do so. But if you continue to yell at me, I'm going to get off the phone. You're not addressing anything that you're doing with the guest being over or mom or any, don't talk about that. Talk about the delivery of how we are engaging in this conversation. Is the way that this person uh, is approaching me, is it acceptable? No, it's absolutely unacceptable. I will respect you all damn day. I will have a conversation with you, but not if you're speaking to me in that way. She will probably be furious at that because that's, that's yeah. not, that's, that's a pattern interruption to how the family dynamics have run. And family systems do not function well when somebody disrupts, <laughs> but it's also a way to say, I'm not going to tolerate you speaking to me like that any longer. So what are you thinking about that part, first of all? Yeah, I think that's absolutely what needs to be done. I just take it. And then afterwards, I, you know, like I said, it's just the rumination and just fuming about it, reliving it over and over again. Yes. So what I would love for you to do is to write out a literal script of the next time one of my sisters starts speaking to me in a way that is yelling, name calling, interrupting, you know, things like that, where it's, it's just unacceptable. I want you to write out just a blanket script that could apply to almost any scenario where you just say, I'm happy, something to the effect of, I understand that you're really upset right now and I'm more than happy to have a thoughtful conversation with you, but I will not tolerate you screaming at me. Perhaps we should 
park this until you're able to have a, a thoughtful conversation with me. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to hang up on them. You can wait for their response. But if if they continue to go on and on and on, at, you just reinforce it. You reiterate and you say, as I mentioned, I'm happy to discuss this with you, but not if you're speaking to me in that manner. For that reason, I'm going to get off the phone. And you hang up. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have, and you do it like that very calmly. So I would love for, even if you, you know, just re-listen to what I said, writing that out and then rehearsing it like in Mm -hmm. front of the mirror with the rhythm, the cadence of voice, how you want to deliver it. But that's one of the ways that we can make it recallable in the, in the middle of the instance is we have to practice it. Otherwise we're completely caught off guard and we're like, I don't know what to say. You can also create a statement around that too, when you're caught off guard and to say something like, to be honest with you, I'm really caught off guard right now. And I would like to give this some more proper thought so that I don't say anything that uh, I don't mean, or that is unfair. I'm going to need to get back to you. You know, like you don't have to engage in a conversation just because it came out and came at you, you know, like a bat out of hell. Like you can say anything like that. Wow, this really caught me off guard or I was not expecting this sort of a conversation or wow, to be honest with you, this was uh, not what I was anticipating hearing. So anything like that, but I think even having those two statements to have sort of on replay where you have practiced them so that you can shut that down in those moments. Okay. So that's if the other party is being really awful, right? Now there's other situations where it's just a strong opinion. It sounds like it's not necessarily vitriolic and yelling and screaming. Is that a fair assessment? Yes. Okay. So in situations like that, you know, if she's saying, you know, this is unacceptable or whatever, again, I would encourage, like, let's, let's let this like calm down a little bit. And I would love to hear your perspective on that. Um, Or I definitely want to understand where you're coming from. Uh, If you need to go back and clean it up, so this might be one of those situations where breaking this family dynamic of just never bringing it up again, Mm -hmm. you might need to start circling back and saying, hey, I'm still feeling a bit unsettled about our conversation where I had a guest over and that seemed really um, unacceptable to you. I didn't realize that that was the case. I would really like to understand your perspective about that because who knows, maybe there's something that was going on with your mom's health that made sleep, you know, I don't, who knows, Mm -hmm. but, um, but it would be, first of all, let me understand your perspective. And then second of all, if you want me to really hear you, I need you to speak to me in a kind way. I am more than willing to hear about what the dynamic has been but not if you speak to me in that manner. I recognize and respect the efforts that you've put in with mom for sure, without a doubt, but that doesn't mean it's okay to yell at me like that. And it also doesn't mean that I'm going to agree with you on every decision that you've made. But I think the circle back and the not just pretend nothing happened is probably gonna be another piece of your, your role in the matter. Yeah. And that's, what's so hard because we just developed avoidance as such a tactic, such a, um, a defense mechanism that everything in your body screams, just stay away from that, you know, more drama, stay over here where it's safe. And so it's so hard to go to that place. But I think the, um, you know, rehearsing language in your mind, like we're, you know, creating new neural pathways is a really great idea because then you know, it's right there. It's available. You don't have to dig for it. You don't have to create it. It's already there. You're just taking a tool off the shelf. Yeah. Yes. And you don't necessarily have to start. Well, let me ask you, when did this text exchange happen? 
that was a few months ago. Okay. So you could choose to circle back to that right now if you wanted to. I kind of want to give you permission to start now, you know, with any new blips on the radar that come through. And, and you can actually say, I know that our family dynamic has been one of, let's just not talk about it ever again. And I think that ends up being really harmful for all of us in the long run because we build up animosity or resentment towards each other. And it's really not fair. It's really not fair to, to any of us. So, and they may or may not match you or, you know, rise to the occasion, but at least you can circle back and say, Hey, you know, I felt unsettled about that, or I'd love to revisit that, or I'd love to further understand what your perspective was. Cause most of the time we argue to be right. We don't, yes. we don't talk to understand, you know, exactly. search, search for that understanding. And we know that if somebody feels understood, they are far more likely to make change. Yes you know, but there's also a way in which if, if they choose to never rise to the occasion or they choose to never reciprocate that understanding with you, you have every right of putting a line in the sand and saying, I'm not going to talk to you if you speak to me in that way. Like you can be, it depends how much effort you want to put in to cultivating a really healthy relationship with them. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm getting more so that you would rather just have a hard line and follow through with the hard line kind of just because that's where I'm at the point right now but you know we've just had six really hard months six high stress months so I you know I can see saying we need to cut each other some slack we've just been through a rough time let's kind of start over and <clears throat> but there have to be some boundaries drawn it can't just be a start over it has to be you know there are rules and we need to respect each other's rules and you know, it just has to be different going forward. And that's the hardest thing is to have that conversation because like I said, it's just something we didn't do. And, and I think it, it started with my mom, you know, she didn't have, she doesn't to this day have any boundaries. She lets, you know, people do all sorts of things. And then when they leave and can you believe they did that? Or can you believe they said that? And so that's just what we adopted. And, sure. um, you know, it's just, it's just not healthy. And it, it ultimately, what you're highlighting here is you either, it's both, of, both are going to be painful. It's painful to have an uncomfortable conversation mm -hmm. and it's also painful to not say anything. And so I think it then becomes, and it sounds like what I'm hearing from you is it's gotten to a point now where it's almost unbearable to stay quiet. It is. Yeah, for sure. And that, that also is a side effect of personal growth. I have absolutely found that with my students and uh, clients where the more they become bolstered in the fact that their opinion matters and who they are matters and that they're valuable and they're worthy, the poor behavior from other people gets less and less tolerable. Mm -hmm. So, so there could be a way too in just acknowledging like, okay, I am growing because I'm not tolerating this behavior anymore. And it's, it's legitimately growing pains, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I don't think that there's anything that anyone can do or say that makes tough conversations magically easy, right? <laughs> or just magically comfortable when you haven't been for decades upon decades. So it's not necessarily about not having the fear. It's about choosing courage over and over and over again. And that's one of the things that I think about all the time is courage cannot exist without fear, mm -hmm. you know? So in order for us to be brave, in order for us to be courageous, we have to be put in situations that are scary. That's true. And, and that's how the fear lessens. That's how they become less scary is doing it more frequently, doing it more often. Mm -hmm. So aside from some of the stuff that we've talked about today, is there anything coming up at all this weekend that you want to get ahead of or just kind of set yourself up for success with or anything like that? Well, I was giving serious thought to uh, 
I was giving serious thought to asking them to turn the cameras off, but then I just thought, do I even want to go there? Is that going to cause, you know, a big blow up? So I don't know if I should be, you know, more on the proactive side and say, you know what, this has led to problems in the past. Let's just not go there um, and submit that request and see what happens with it. Or is it better to just leave it be? And then if a situation comes up like that, you know, handle it in a more constructive way, like the examples you've provided rather than, you know, the way it went last time. Yeah, it's, it, it depends. So, cause here's what I, here's what I speculate will happen. I think that the issue around the camera is the surface issue that is a distraction for what the real issue is. And I think the real issue is, is the, the need for control yes. on their behalf or the, I think there's a lot of identity in that control for them that they've, because when you take on a caretaker role and, and it's laden with sacrifice, you want recognition for that. You, you know, like you want to mm-hmm. control the way that that's going. So I think there's a huge piece of that, that it's like someone coming into your, their territory, wanting to do things differently when they have this well-oiled machine, whether or not that's fair or not. I can understand that. I can understand why that would be on their mind. Now, the root issue for you is being micromanaged, is being like, this is about my childhood. This is about not being taken seriously. This is about being written off all the time. This is about not being consulted. This is about being dismissed. So I think you can argue about the damn cameras all damn day, but it's the root issue that would need to change before those surface issues are going to get ironed out. So I think if you do want to address it, I think that you, it might be better to pull in some of the root issue. I don't know if you've heard me talk about this before, but it's like when a couple is really fighting about who loads the dishwasher appropriately. It's not about the fucking dishwasher. It's about I feel dismissed. I feel like you expect me to do everything in the household or, you know, it's about something else. Yes. And, and I think that's what's happening with the camera. I think you nailed it. I think that they need that control because they are having so much sacrifice. And that's really the only reward is to know that I have control of this situation. I'm, you know, I'm going to mitigate as many problems as I can. And then for me, I'm coming from that narrative of, you know, you're always trying to control me. So this isn't about our mom. This is another attempt to control me under the guise of serving mom. Right, right. So then it becomes, can I have a conversation with them and share any of that? Uh, And, or do I proceed as normal and just kind of do whatever the hell I want to do and handle any, any uproar in a different way. Yeah. I think it's worth trying to have the conversation and then uh, if it just doesn't go anywhere, then, you know, I can say, look, I've tried every which way I can think of and it's, you know, it's just not working. Um, Okay. And then take a harder line. Sure. So what I would suggest for that then is to ask for the time to talk, like just not a confrontation, because obviously you know how shitty that feels, but to say, Hey, I wanted to run some stuff by you, or, you know, I'm coming to stay, I'm coming to visit. And, um, I would love to get your thoughts on some things. So where it's a lot softer then I would start with gratitude and I would say, Hey, you know, I don't think I thank you enough for, and this is probably going to be hard because it's like, right. But um, I don't think, or maybe you don't even say thank you. Maybe I don't acknowledge you enough for how much you've done to make sure that mom stays safe and comfortable and healthy. And I just wanted to recognize you, acknowledge you for that. So um, you might be surprised how much that disarms her. Mm -hmm. You, you never know. It's a, it's at least a tactic you haven't tried that might be worth it. Mm-hmm. 
And then to say, hey, I know that some issues had, had arisen over, over the, um, the camera situation in the house. I would love to just share with you what my perspective is or how it feels on my side. And then I would love to get your opinion on, on your reason behind it and, and what your perspective is so that we can be a lot kinder to one another. Um, Cause I think we both genuinely want what's best for mom mm-hmm. and really want her to just be thriving as much as possible. Are you up for that? And just see, just ask, are you willing to have this conversation mm-hmm. and gauge what she has to say and then express, I would use language like, I think it's informed a lot from how we were raised or our childhood, but it feels to me like, uh, I feel like I'm being treated like a child or I feel like I'm not being trusted or, um, like I'm not viewed as capable and that really bothers me. So if you can, instead of saying you do this, you treat me like this, instead of, instead owning it and says, it feels like, Mm -hmm. or the way I interpret it or how it, how I experience it is, Mm -hmm. it feels as though, you know, um, so I don't know if I'm making that up or if how you do feel about it, but I wanted to just have that open conversation with you about it. And then I would say here, here's what would be ideal for me. Maybe we could have a, some sort of a, an understanding or a compromise or, you know, so that everybody feels honored. What are your thoughts? So that's how I would frame it. Obviously you'll have a recording of this, so you can write all of that out too, if you want. Um, but what do you think about that as entertaining the conversation from that place? I think it's great. I, you're just so good at constructing language that's diffusing. And like I said before, it's just so hard to keep the emotion out of it, that sometimes it just, it just doesn't come out so well. So that's what I need to work on is just, you know, developing that script and having it rehearsing it in my mind so that it's readily available and just you know when things do get heated just shut it down in the way you described and say you know we're not going to go there right now let's calm down and and talk about it at a later time and just trying to stay that centered in the moment that you can recognize it and address it um, in the bud so to speak instead of letting it get to that place where it's so out of control that um, you know communication just isn't possible at that point. Yeah. And you can, you can shut that down at any time. So if you notice like well into this big altercation that it is not going anywhere and you both are just screaming and get, you can shut it down then, you know, like sometimes we don't realize right at the beginning, like, oh no, uh, it took me years to have that be like my Mm go-to, you know, and I teach this. So it took me it took me years because it's not our natural inclination. We want to fight or flee typically, Mm -hmm. you know, that's when we feel threatened. We typically go into our fear response, fight, flight, freeze, fawn sometimes. So, so be gentle with yourself because I do this all day, all the time with so many people and so many different scenarios. And I have had really, really messy conversations where I was not articulate. One of the things that you can do that I oftentimes will tell students to do is to write it out and then actually bring it with you or actually have it with you on the phone, have a cheat sheet. Uh, and if you are in person mm-hmm. to say something like, you know, I, I might seem silly that I wrote this down, but I really didn't, I didn't want it to go awry. I care so much about this relationship. Um, that I really wanted to come across as authentically as I could, or this meant so much to me uh, that I really wanted to get it right. So that you say, like, I have a cheat sheet for a reason, <laughs> you know, because I I don't want it to go off the rails the way it has been in the past. So you could use any little mixture of those of those statements. But I think what would be really helpful is go, obviously go back and listen to this, make a like a go-to phrase for when somebody's speaking too intensely and yelling or screaming, like I'm not going to handle, I'm not going to engage in this conversation any longer. Uh, one for when you're caught off guard mm. and you need to buy yourself some time. Uh, 
And then the third one would be around this actual conversation with this particular sister with regards to the camera. Here's what the experience was like for me. Here's what I make up. And then here's what I'm requesting from you. Mm -hmm. And then depending on how that goes, then that can dictate your next move. You might see her in a totally different light. You may, it may be fine. It depends on what the emotion is that comes up. It's totally fine to be emotional about this stuff. It's emotional. It's painful. All of the, I mean, we're talking about years and years of, of trauma and upset. So allowing yourself, if you get teary to say, I, I feel very, very intensely about this. So, you know, obviously I'm getting a bit emotional. If you're starting to yell and scream, that's a different type of emotion to curb. And that's a timeout. That's a very simple, like, Hey, listen, I know you don't deserve to be spoken like to like this. I don't deserve to be spoken to like this. Let's take a timeout and revisit this when we're a little bit more calm, mm -hmm. something like that. <sighs> so that was a lot. How are you feeling? Good. I think what's um, my biggest takeaway is when you said about um, pretend like you're watching it on a screen and, and just removing yourself from it, because I, uh, I've been thinking about that and I'm coming to realize that, you know, like my biggest struggle with boundaries is that I basically have two forms of communications when a boundary needs to be set. And that is say nothing or let it accumulate from so many episodes of saying nothing that then you blow up. And there's just, I need that in between. I need that ability to say it with grace and kindness. And it made me realize that the few times that I've been able to come up with that have been when I thought to myself, I wish I could just say to this person, hey, it's not that, you know, this is that big a deal. I just need you to do this. And then I go, well, I just figured out how to say, say that. Here I am asking myself, how can I say that? And I just did in my head. So as soon as right. I did what you said, which is step back and look at it third party, it completely changes the perspective because it helps you to take that emotion out. That's right. That's right. And then you can kind of do that evaluation of, is this valid? Because almost always when we have that intensity of emotion, we feel wronged. We feel like, of course, the other person is at fault. Mm -hmm. Of course they fucked up because I'm in so much pain, but then it gets really convoluted when both people feel pain, when both people feel wronged. Mm -hmm. So at least in my experience, almost always both parties could have done something better. Very seldomly is it just one person's fault. Sure. So when you kind of watch it on that screen, you can take a step back a little bit and go, okay, all right. I see how that could have been misconstrued. Uh, but usually you have to let the intensity of the anger or the frustration or overwhelm subside before you can really evaluate that well, you know, but I also think giving yourself permission for the do-over. I would, I would look at future interactions and look at, do I need to circle back in order to not have this be festering a new volcano, mm -hmm. you know, that's going to erupt in the future. So I think you've got a decent amount of homework yes, on your plate. For sure. <laughs> so how are you, how are you feeling about everything? Oh. <sighs> I feel like I know what I need to do. I just need to make myself do it now and just avoid that comfortable path of avoidance and just, you know, take the tougher road because eventually yeah. that will be the main road. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly to your point earlier. That's exactly how neural pathways are formed is by doing a new behavior with repetition over time. And and just know that you're allowed to be scared. It's scary, mm -hmm. right? Everything in your brain is registering it as a threat. So reminding yourself like, I'm allowed to be scared of this, but I'm choosing courage. I'm allowed to be scared, but I'm choosing courage over and over and over again. And do it, go do it. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I think it's gonna be hugely helpful to a lot of people who are up against very similar dynamics. I hope so. So if I do have a last word, it's just to let all the other listeners know that they're not alone because I definitely feel this way. And obviously a lot of us feel this way. There's a huge need 
for what you're doing. Uh, honestly, I wish they would start teaching this stuff in school because these are the life skills that people would need. Um, yeah. But thank you for all that you do. Oh, thank you so much. So as I told you, I'm sure that you can find situations in your own life that really mirror some of the things that Isabel has been up against. And I'm hoping that there were some fun little tidbits and nuggets that could be really helpful for you, maybe envisioning yourself outside of the situation, like on that movie screen, or writing out some scripts, some bullet-pointed items that you want to make sure you memorize and are able to share in the heat of the moment when you're frustrated or when you typically feel like you don't have the words. Hoping that was super helpful for you and reminder to check out the show notes if you want to get in on that free workshop that I mentioned at the top of the show. And the worst case scenario is you're going to learn something pretty monumental about yourself. So thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop also will be in the show notes. We'll see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life. Bye.